0: Hello and welcome to the Missing Link for SLPs podcast. I'm glad you're here. Today's episode is part of the Private Practice Possibility Series, where we talk to some amazing SLPs who have had a dream to create their own private practices, and they are making it happen. Join us as we chat about their stories, their dreams, and how they made it happen. Hello and welcome to this episode. I am so excited because I am here with Jenna castro Casbaum, and she to me is like the guru of private practice. Her company is the independent clinician and welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's really nice to meet you and I'm looking forward to chatting with your audience too.
0: Excellent. Uh, A little bit of background. I've asked you on board to do this interview because when I started the Private Practice Possibilities Series, I was interviewing a lot of the speech pathologists who have come through your programs, and there was something very unique about them they were the one, they were the brave souls who said, I'm going to be a private practice speech pathologist, and I'm going to live my dreams, and they are. So you, to me, are like just the cherry on top of all of these episodes, because you're the source of the programs that they go to. So tell us about who you are and what you do.
1: Yeah, so my name is Jenna Castor-Casbon. I'm a speech pathologist, and I have a you know, for the last 12 years, taught speech therapists how to start and grow their own private practices. And I find this to be really rewarding work. Um, I have a Facebook group, the SLP Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. That's where a lot of people start. And then I have some paid programs, the Start Your Private Practice System, which is for beginners and also grow your private practice, which is for people with established private practices looking to level up and take it to the next level. But I believe in, in helping with you know, step-by-step information. I've also done some um, teaching at a university, so I'm also a, a teacher by background. But I like to take like hard stuff and make it easy for people and also give people confidence that they can do hard things. We can do hard things. And a lot of people get nervous about starting private practices because they think it might be too hard or too hard for them. And so, so what I do is help make it easy for them, right? And help remove some of those barriers that are keeping people stuck and that are keeping people in situations like work situations that are maybe toxic or underpaid or not good for them. And helping, you know, bring this new version of themselves to light so that they can help more people in their community and also, to be frank, to make more money and to have that life that they want, whether it's more flexibility, more freedom, and certainly more finances. So, so that's what I do.
0: And the ability to treat who they want to treat yes. when yes. they want to treat them. That's Absolutely. What I've noticed with the speech pathologists come out of your program, they are living that dream. How has COVID changed the private practice playing field?
1: So that's a really good question. When it first started, so if we go back to March of 2020, um, it temporarily, uh, I'll say decimated it, right? People were completely freaked out. The whole world turned upside down in the matter of a couple of weeks and a lot of businesses had to had to shut down. And that's when we went from all in-person services or or most of, of the students in my programs and my alums and everything were doing in-person services. And only a small percentage of them were doing telepractice in either doing that maybe full-time or as part of a service delivery model in their private practice. And all of a sudden, everybody was doing private or telepractice, right? And so there was that major switch in service delivery which was challenging and also there was everything about you know insurance approvals and Mm -hmm. there was the financial piece there was explaining what is telepractice and how does it work and can it work and then a lot of slps were like well i have you know people with really significant needs how am i going to do this and everyone kind of figured it out but it took a while and so, you know, things were a little bit bleak for a while. But during that time, too, you know, private practices started to rebuild, and people started to the the kids and the adults who are going without services were desperate for private practitioners to step in and offer the services that schools and hospitals and early interventions weren't offering. So all of a sudden, the situation that seemed like potentially terrible for private practitioners actually worked out to be pretty good because you had a whole bunch of people who needed therapy and a whole bunch of people who needed clients or patients. And when those two people were able to find each other, great things happened, right? So people who had private practices figured out how to rebuild them and actually grow during COVID-19, which is pretty incredible. The other part of that is that speech therapists who were working at schools or working in hospitals had all of that upheaval of, you know, going to telepractice or for our medical SLP friends feeling unsafe at their jobs. And so a lot of people ended up getting laid off, furloughed or quit slash resigned from their positions and were looking but needed to be employed, right? needed money. And so they decided to start their own private practices and again, fill this gap between the therapists who had the time and had the expertise and the people in the local community who needed the services. So COVID has actually surprisingly been a great time to start a private practice and you know, for me, it's been wonderful to watch people come into my programs who you know really want to make this work. And you know what? They're making it work. And they're making it work really well. And that's really cool to see.
0: That's excellent to hear. You sound so passionate about what you do with your business. How did you get started with your business? And where do you think it's going to go? What are your plans?
1: Yeah, great question. So I started my own private practice back in 2007. So I was a clinical fellow or, well, I wasn't a clinical, I was a clinical fellow. And then in the nine months after I got my C's, I had an opportunity to treat a private client and I had no idea what to do. And so I said, no, because I was... Terrified, I had nothing set up. I had thought maybe I might have a private practice like way later in my career, but certainly not you know within a year after getting my C's. And I had two coworkers who I you know got in a conversation with one day, and it turned out that they both had their own private practices on the side of the job that we did together at the hospital. And I literally had no idea that A, that they were doing that, <laughs> or okay. B, that that was a thing. I didn't know that you could have like a private practice on the side of another job. Um, some other things that I didn't know was that that they didn't have office space. Like they didn't have a brick and mortar location. They didn't have any sort of physical location. They saw the clients out of their homes. And that was also something that I just didn't know was a possibility. I thought that private practice meant having a brick and mortar location with you know a waiting room and a receptionist and an aquarium and all of that kind of stuff that you sort of think is how it goes and so when they told me that no that they could have office space like they they could afford to it was much easier and simpler not to so that was another one of those major like kind of ahas Um, two more things that they said that really stuck out to me was um that at the time they were both mostly private pay only. One of them did one kind of insurance. But again, I thought that this would be like if you had a private practice that you had to do insurance and the whole thing just sounded like maybe more trouble than it was worth. So I was like, I don't, I don't know about that. And then the last thing was that, you know, when I told them that someone had asked me about, about seeing me privately and I had said no, and I'd actually referred to one of them, they said, well, Jenna, do you wanna learn? And I was like, what do me? I'm brand new. (laughs) I was like 26 years old. I was a baby. Right. So I, I said, well, I guess so. Like, sure. That sounds kind of interesting. And so they took me under their wings and they mentored me and they helped me get set up and they helped me, you know, start my private practice. And so that was in 2008 And so I started on the side and I started, you know, I flexed my hours for my job. I was able to cut down my hours and have this private practice. At first it was just on Fridays. And so I had for all Friday off and then the clients wanted to see me more than one time a week. So then I decided to, to reduce my hours again and shift my schedule around. And so I, I did that particular like way for a couple of years and at some point during that time, I had a bunch of friends from grad school or other clinicians who said, Jenna, what are you doing? What is this private practice and how did, how did you get started and, and what is this all about? And so I decided to, to take what I had learned and take like, the information and create a company that taught other speech pathologists how to do exactly what I was doing and so that's how my company, The Independent Clinician, was born. And it has certainly evolved over the years where, you know, if I look at how many people have, you know, purchased my products and been part of my, my circle of, of people who I've truly helped, I've helped over 10,000 people start and grow their private practices. I so, which is, which is incredible. And it, it uh-huh. feels great. And it's, it's part of, it's what I love to do, right? So when we talk about, you know, who are your ideal clients? Well, it turns out that my ideal clients are speech pathologists, (laughs) right? I also love my people with aphasia. I love my people with brain injury, but at this stage of my life and my career, my favorite clients are SLPs.
0: Well said. Thanks. Helping them live their dreams. That's Uh, good. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I'm familiar with, with your website, and I just have to add this for those who just can play devil's advocate sometimes. One of the things I love about your website is you also cover the legal aspects of the private practice, which is so important because when a speech pathologist starts, we just it's not good to be vulnerable, and your website covers that.
1: Well, and that's really something that i try to see now also as a business owner. What do my people need, right? Mm -hmm. What kinds of questions do I get over and over again in my groups? Mm -hmm. What kinds of of limiting beliefs do people have? Mm -hmm. What are the things that are holding people back from taking action? And one of the things that I, I heard for years and years and years was, well, I don't know if I should hire a lawyer, do I do like an LLC, how do I get set up, all that, all the like getting your ducks in a row, but particular with with legal aspects. And so the private practice clinic forms is really my number one best-selling resource for that very reason, right? People are terrified SLPs as you know and maybe those of you who are listening like really don't like to make mistakes, right? right. Whether whether you're a type A or a type B SLP. Very true. <laughs> we tend to be like kind of a more risk-averse kind of a person. Yeah. Just wants to play by the rules, follow, follow the rules and not make any mistakes, right? And yeah. I don't like to make mistakes either. But I also won't let the fear of making a mistake, right. like I mean, a small mistake, you guys, not like a huge catastrophic mistake. I don't want to make those, but you know, sometimes the fear holds people back and that, that's how people stay stuck, right? You have mm-hmm. to be willing, you know, you used the word, Maddie, earlier about being brave. Right. And I think that, that SLPs need to decide, you know, they may not have the confidence yet. Confidence comes with time and confidence comes with experience. Right. And so you can't say, I'm going to wait until I start my private practice until I'm confident. What you have to do first is to be, be, is to be brave, and the confidence piece will come later on. So I arm people with knowledge and information so that they can know what to do, but they do have to decide first, I'm gonna be brave enough to try this and see if this works.
0: It's almost like being on a playground and you're you're getting ready to do those monkey bars and you're standing there and you get your first hand placed and your second hand placed. There comes a point in time where those feet have to leave that leave that top rung and then you swing to the next and moving ahead bravely into a career, into all that our careers can be, does take bravery.
1: Yeah. I, I use the analogy a lot of times. I love the monkey bars analogy. That's that's in line with what I'm gonna share, but is the idea of a staircase. So starting a private practice, the way the way I teach anyway, I have a, a five-phase system that I go through with people, but it's really like a staircase where you have to do the work, right? Walking upstairs takes some level of exertion and you still have to do the work, but everything is laid out and it's step-by-step step so that you know exactly what to do first, second, and so on. And you have a goal, which is you know the top of the staircase, or in our people's case, having that first client and getting their private practice up and running. So, you know, it's not, and I tell people all the time, it's actually not that hard to start a private practice if you follow the right steps and in the right order, but you do have to do the work. So for me, the idea of a staircase is a really fitting analogy of, you know, follow the steps, I'll show you what to do, but you also have to do the work.
0: What are some of the top programs you offer? Top Packages, I'm yeah, sure.
1: yeah. So my number, my my core offer is the Start Your Private Practice System. So this is for beginner level, like private practitioners. This is for the SLP who has always wanted to start a private practice and wants the information and also uh, help along the way. So the Start Your Private Practice System is a. I've been calling it a course, but I'm now going to start shifting and calling it a coaching program. Because it comes not only with with a course, but also with a Facebook group that I have staffed with private practitioners who, who we call the mentors. And they're in there every single day answering questions and helping people get unstuck. So the Start Your Private Practice system is really the best place for people who want to start a private practice and haven't done anything yet or... For the people who do, like they've done a couple of things, but they're not really sure like if they did the right things or if they left something out and want that additional information and again, support to make sure that they have all of their ducks in a row and that they are completely ready to see that first client. And then of course, help them get their first clients and really start to to grow. And then the, the second program that I offer is called Grow Your Private Practice. And that's for people who have established private practices who are looking to, we use the uh, official hashtag uh, level up. So level up their business and their lives by hiring people, by putting more systems into place, by like, you know, developing a team and also developing your income, like earning earning more money by either diversifying your income, charging more or offering more services, so I, I urge people to start with uh, start your private practice, and then move in to grow your private practice when they're ready for that.
0: But not only do you have these programs, you have a very important piece, which you mentioned earlier. You've got your community. Yeah. So if you do have someone who does step into this field or this this movement, the way they're going, they have the support behind them when they might falter on a on a step.
1: Yeah, and it, because you know private practice can be lonely, but it doesn't have to be. One of the unfortunate things I think is that a lot of people don't talk about private practice. Right? A lot of people feel like when they start doing it on the side, it's this like secret stealth thing that they're doing. And I think that's another one of the reasons why my communities have been such safe havens for people is because now they have, you know, truly like-minded people to talk to, to ask questions of, to commiserate with, to celebrate with. And so they have that. And because people just don't have that in real life. And then with the higher level programs, there people get nervous about competition sometimes. So they may not want to, you know, be collaborating with people in their local communities that they may, you know, may be a competitor, right? And I'm I'm a real collaborative person, so I really try to teach people to have more abundance mindsets and you know you can refer people to other people and it's not really a competitive thing, but there still is that, what I call like kind of the old way of having a private practice can be a little bit more of that competitive model, which I'm actively trying to dismantle <laughs> and also training like the people who get into my systems to also think that way so that we can all share our clients, that there's enough people to go around and that we can all help everybody in our community so that people can get served.
0: That's the secret right there. That's the secret right there. The the private practice speech paths who've been through your program that I've interviewed, they have a very real, unique, solid sense of confidence because they are living their dreams in their niche and they are so loving what they do. For example, I interviewed somebody the other day from your program who she's an AAC expert And she said that somebody came to her with a child who, you know, has an arm problem and asked if she would work with her. And she said, well, I can, I have the skill set and I have the training, but you would be much better going with somebody who is, this is what she does. And I talked with Kelly Slemp just before you, and that is her. This is what she does. She's come through your program. She has ours. She's got them down, and she's on the web. I mean, you go find her. And the people who come through your program, they're, they're, they're confident. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they're because they they're doing what they want to do, mm-hmm. right? Think mm-hmm. about, you know, when you work at a school, you work in a hospital, even if you have a particular population that you – Tend to gravitate more to you're still, for the most part, like a jill of all trades, where someone else is assigning your caseload. Right. right? And so you're seeing lots of different kinds of kids, lots of different kinds of
0: people. Based on the time you have, not on your skill set, but based on the time you have.
1: Yeah, and that's that's not that's hard, right? right? Our job is already hard enough to then figure out how to serve everybody well. So what, what I want to encourage people to do is really like design a life that works for you, design a career that works for you. If you love working with people with hearing impairments, then I want you to be able to work with those people, right? Because that's the thing that you're gonna love doing. There are plenty of people who come through my programs who want to remain generalists and that's okay too. If that's what you want to do, if you wanna serve little kids and you know, older adults, then then do that right you can make that choice but i my my heart pains for people for whom choices are made for them and not with them and right. so that's a big part of my empowering our slps is to say what do you want what kind of right. people do you want to work with what kind of schedule do you want for you for your life for your family and how can we make this work for you what kind of income do you desire right because you know, people who stay at these careers for decades to get you know two percent raises, or or sometimes not even that. You know, uh, my my dad's a, a, a businessman, and he talks about bonuses. and He asked me one time what my Christmas bonus <laughs> was, Dad? and I laughed and cried at the same time. Is yep. my at the time this was when I worked at the hospital? My Christmas bonus was a, a framed picture of our department on this like. <laughs> outing thing that we all hated. Oh, and I just wanted to cry, right? The difference is, is that when you have a private practice, you know, the way to get, to get more money, to get more bonus is to see more clients, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to level up your income, then you see more people, right? That's how it works. That's not how it works in a regular job. Right, so right. depending on what you want for your life, you know, you can choose your own adventure.
0: Remember those books, the choose your own adventure books? Ooh, I do. I do. Right? So right. I'm, I want to turn to this page, this adventure turn to this page, right? That's right. So that's
1: what I teach people to do. If you want to do private pay only, then that's one adventure. And there's different things to do in that adventure, right? If you want to do insurance, that's another adventure. (laughs) There's things you got to do if you're going to go that way. But I want people to be empowered with the information and support to not only make a decision, but to really get the help that they need to be strong in that decision and to do it well, right? To do private pay well. If you're going to do private pay, I want you to do it great. If you're going to do insurance, I want you to do that great too, right? So I want people to have the options of knowing what the possibilities are for them and then how to step into that decision with confidence and and to do it well. And if they decide that, hey, I actually don't, this wasn't for me, I don't want to do insurance anymore. Okay, well, there's a way to, to not do it anymore. Let's get you back on track and do something else, right? But I, I'm all about helping people get unstuck and making decisions that mm-hmm. feel right for them and that they can always change later, or they can add new things to their plate and choose new adventures along the way.
0: Well, a term I like to use in addition to unstuck is transition. You're helping them transition into their, wherever they wanna go with their careers, their story. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that, I love that. Final question, yeah. any words of advice for the newer speech pathologist?
1: A lot of times people, you know, I'm going to give you the advice that those early mentors gave me. And had they not, had those two people, the names are Rick and Catherine, had they not taken me under their wing, I wouldn't have taken all of these thousands of other people under my wing, right? So it's really important to, to give back as soon as you can. But, you know, had they not told me that I could start a private practice earlier in my career than I thought... And had they not offered to help me do it, like I wouldn't have I probably would have waited until I was in my I don't know, mid forties or so, to when I thought that I would had enough information, or till when I considered myself more of an expert. Right. So my piece of advice is that, you know, when it comes to thinking about when should you start your private practice, I mean, I think the answer is today, no matter what your age is. Um, you do have to have a license. You have to not be a clinical fellow anymore, but you can make a choice. You can either wait until the end of your career until you're a quote unquote expert, or you feel like more like an expert, whatever that means, since there's so much to learn in our field, it's hard to be an expert, or you can become an expert as you build your private practice. So that way, you are then doing your CEUs and you're doing your advanced trainings which are then all tax deductible also under your business but you're building that expertise as you're going along and as you're growing versus waiting a long time to get started so for any you know newer grads who are listening you know you do have to have something to offer right you do have to have knowledge and skills to offer to people but once you do you can absolutely start seeing your private clients much earlier in your career than you
0: may have thought was possible thank you thank you tell us again before we jump off where people can find you okay so people can
1: find me on instagram i'm at independent clinician and you can also go to start your com backslash webinar to watch an hour-long free training about how to get started in private practice I also have a podcast that people can listen to called the Private Practice Success Stories Podcast. Obviously, everyone who's listening to this is a podcast listener, right? (laughs) So hop over to iTunes, look up Private Practice Success Stories. I interview private practitioners from around the US and actually around the world about their journeys to private practice, what they've learned along the way. And then uh, one more freebie, if I can give a freebie to your audience, is what I call the Private Practice Roadmap. And this is the five-step process of going through and starting a private practice successfully. So people can grab that at startyourprivatepractice.com backslash freebie.
0: And that will also be on our show notes. Fabulous. You can find that there. Love it. Well, thank you for your time. This was, this was great. I, fun. And you're right. We don't bite. Yeah, this was so much fun.
1: Thank you so much, Maddie. I loved love to get to know new people and get to also uh, have the ears of some new listeners. So thank you everybody for listening and I hope we can be in touch.
0: I hope today's conversation has created some aha moments for you and motivated you to become a better SLP continuing to connect some of those missing links between what you know and how to use that knowledge. Thank you for downloading the Missing Link for SLPs podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, I'd love you to subscribe, rate it, and leave a short review. Also, please share an episode with a friend. Together, we can raise awareness and help more SLPs find and connect those missing links and get the information needed to help them feel confident in their patient care every step of the way. Follow me on Instagram and join the Fresh SLP community on Facebook. Show notes are always available, so come learn more at freshslp.com. Let's make those connections. You got this.